Just the truth, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. It's the greatest event in human history. And today, around the world, over two billion plus people are celebrating that fact. But today I want us to focus on what is Jesus doing now? We know he ascended to the Father and sits at the right hand of majesty on high. And it is truly great knowing that Jesus died for my sins, for our sins, and rose victorious from death 2,000 years ago. But how does that truth impact me today on April 17th, 2022? And so I want to ask the question, what is Jesus doing now? Four things. First, he's our Lord. He's our Lord. It says in the book of Philippians, chapter two, verses eight through eleven, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Jesus has been given a name that is above every name. That, at the name of Jesus Christ, is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. He has supreme power and honor and glory. The same he had with the Father before his incarnation, where he, God, Became man, a a human being like us, to come to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. Then he returned to the Father as God-man with his nail-scarred hands, where he sits at the right hand of the Father. Now, sitting doesn't sound like much. I like to sit around, too, especially when I'm tired. And if I'm really tired and I sit in my easy chair, I might just doze off. So is that what he's doing? No, to sit at God's right hand means he's seated at the highest possible place of greatest honor and glory. First Peter 322 puts it like this. Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers having been subjected to him. That's saying he's Lord. He's king. He's ruler of the universe. He's head of the church. He's been coronated as king. Now, we humans prefer a physical ruler rather than a spiritual ruler. We like to be our own Lord. We like to do things our way without consulting the true Lord. And we have a tendency to exalt people, a pastor, a bishop, a pope, a president. We like them to rule over us and tell us what to do. But these men and women are not the Lord. They often let us down. Christ alone is Lord. And we Christians need to submit to his lordship, both personally and corporately. Jesus is now ruling earth from his throne. Everything's under control. His plan is being carried out according to his will. In the world today, we may look at the world and think, wow, things seem like they're out of control. And it seems like the enemy may be winning the day, but he's not. 
I like to think of it like a basketball game. Jesus, 122, enemy, 16. The outcome is not in doubt. There are only a few minutes left in the game. The loser may score yet another point or two, but essentially the game is over. Christ will reign victoriously forever and ever, and Satan will be thrown into hell forever. Jesus is Lord. Nothing can ever change that fact. And he's the Lord of my life, too. He's in control of me. Nothing happens in my life that he doesn't allow. And it's all for my ultimate good. The problems that I face in my life serve to help grow me up to be more like him. So I can completely trust him with my life. Christ's ascension, where he is now Lord over the world, over the church and over my life. What else is he doing? A second thing he's doing right now. He's our advocate. He's our advocate. First John two one. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. An advocate is someone who comes alongside another. Jesus Christ has taken your cause to champion and defend you. Kind of like a defense attorney. Job 1 and 2 in the Bible and Revelation 12 verse 10 depicts Satan as a prosecuting attorney. The Bible says that Satan accuses believers night and day before God. Imagine how tedious that is to listen to. Satan still accuses. Did you see what she did there, God? She deserves condemnation in hell. But then Jesus, our advocate, steps in. Father, the charges against her are true. She sinned, but she confessed it. She repented of it. It's under the blood. I suffered and died for that sin. Her sin has been forgiven. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Satan is good at condemning you. And we are good at believing his lies. But God is good at forgiving. And if I confess that sin, the Bible says it will be forgiven. I love 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like that all. You need only believe the fact. Any guilt that you carry beyond confession of your sin is harmful to you. Sorrow for sinning should lead us to a renewed desire to not commit that sin again. Committing sin knocks us out of fellowship with God. We need to confess it right away to regain that fellowship. But Jesus is always in constant fellowship with the Father, and he reconnects us again with God. The Bible says we have an accuser. He's always waging spiritual warfare against us. But aren't you glad that we have an advocate who is greater than him and is always standing by our side, defending us and protecting us? What else is he doing? The Bible says a third thing is he's our intercessor. 
He's our intercessor. Let me read a couple of passages that show that. Romans 8.34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Hebrews 7.25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Do you ever think about Jesus right now is praying for you? I I often don't think that, but it really blesses me to know that whether I'm working, whether I'm sleeping, whatever I'm doing, Jesus is praying for me. He knows your name and he says your name to the father. He may say something like, Ed really needs you now, father. He's discouraged. He feels like a nobody. He sinned and he feels like a failure. Let's really encourage him and build him up. Jesus is praying for you. He knows exactly what you need this very moment. He knew that in the case of Peter in Luke 22, 31 and 32, it says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Satan did sift Peter as wheat and Peter denied Jesus. But unlike Judas, who Satan got to betray him, Peter didn't kill himself. His godly sorrow led him to confession of sin and forgiveness and a renewed call to service. Perhaps today you're being sifted. You're going through a hard trial, a temptation. Maybe you're in emotional pain today. You're really discouraged. You're confused. You need clarity and guidance. Know this today. Jesus is praying for you. It's good to know that Jesus is our high priest and can sympathize with our weaknesses. He can because he once was a human being like us. He knows what it's like to be tempted so he could intercede perfectly on our behalf. And because it's him praying, we know that God always hears him. Romans eight twenty six and 27. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit Because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So not only does Jesus Christ pray for us, the Holy Spirit prays for us and through us. It is doubly reassuring to know that when I'm too weak and too confused to even pray, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are praying for me. What else is Jesus doing? A fourth thing, he's our giver of gifts. He's our giver of gifts. Ephesians 4, 7 and 8. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. 
Because he ascended, he gave gifts for us to help us and others. But his greatest gift of all is his presence, which he promised his disciples before he left them. He says in Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He promised his disciples, I will never leave you or forsake you. But then didn't his ascension do the very opposite of that? Didn't he leave his disciples behind? I mean, what better could it be for us than to have Jesus right here with us physically to feel his hug to be able to talk with him, to look at him face to face, to walk down a road with him, to eat a meal with him. The disciples had experienced that for three years. And now Jesus was saying, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. But he was gone. They saw him ascend to heaven. Earlier, Jesus had told them this in John 14. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance All that I have said to you, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He knew that he would be leaving them, but he would send another comforter, one just like himself. He, Jesus, could only be in one place at one time. And although he did many miracles, he was limited in time and space. But now his Holy Spirit lives inside every believer. We are his hands and feet and eyes and voice to tell the world the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said this of his disciples in John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the father. Jesus was saying to them, it's for your good, for your benefit that I go away, because now I'll send the Holy Spirit who, like me, will live inside of you and you'll be able to continue my work. Each and every one of you, you could be more places than I can at just one time and place. So by leaving, Jesus gave his disciples his greatest gift, the Holy Spirit, who is always with us. Do you need to be more acquainted with this third member of the divine trinity? He is a real person, but is he close and abiding with you or more unreal and absent in your life? Do you feel that you're really on your own and pretty much doing the best you can in life? You're trying really hard, but most of the time you fall short. Well, Jesus ascended to the Father so that he could send his Holy Spirit to be in you and help you daily. Just talk to him like you would a close friend. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him what you're feeling every moment. Develop the habit of abiding in him. He's so close. He's in you. Jesus also ascended to his Father to give us spiritual gifts. Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 are places in the Bible that describe those gifts. And the Bible says that each and every one of us have been given a spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I would encourage you to know and use your spiritual gift 
are gifts for God's glory. Christ ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, which I know sometimes can seem like he's a million miles away. But like the Son, which is 93 million miles away, we, we still feel the heat of the sun and see its light. We see and feel the effects of the Son of God in our life and his gravitational pull in us. Ephesians 2, 6 says, And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That, that's not just someday when we die, but even now, spiritually. Christ ascended and is seated at the right hand with God. But so am I. Spiritually, we have ascended and we are with him in Christ. And I feel that upward pull of God more and more to my heavenly home where I'm going to be someday. It's kind of like a spiritual jet stream pulling my thoughts more and more toward heaven. And that current is strong on earth. My body might be sick and weak, but in Christ, I'm strong. My humanity is easily tempted, but Christ gives me power to resist. I am easily upset and discouraged. But Christ in me gives me joy and peace and hope. Sometimes I'm like a boat in the vast sea, and I just feel like I'm just kind of drifting along and the wind is blowing me every direction. But I know this, Christ is my anchor, and I'm anchored in him, in heaven. I might drift a little bit, but never too far, for my anchor holds. And I know that I'll never be destroyed on the rocks because Jesus is my rock. I want you to think about what the ascension of Jesus Christ to heaven offers you today. It's terribly important because he ascended. He's your Lord, your advocate, your intercessor and your giver of good gifts. I want to read a prayer in closing from the Book of Common Prayer. Grant me. We beseech thee, almighty God, that like as we do believe thy only begotten son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to have ascended into the heavens. So we may also in heart and mind there ascend and with him continually dwell, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond just right there where you're seated by raising your hand. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ as your savior, what better time than Easter Sunday, April 17th, 2022, that you could say that was the day when I felt the Holy Spirit wooing me to surrender your life to me. That maybe today is the day of salvation for you. If there's anyone here that needs to make that commitment of their life to Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand and I'm going to just pray for you quietly. Is there anyone today? Lord, thank you. 
for the person that raised their hand. And Lord, for perhaps others that are thinking about this right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would continue to move in those hearts. Showing them, revealing to them that you love them so much. What more could you show their, your love than by sending your son to die on the cross for their sins? All that so that they might be in relationship with you. And I pray that those of us who know you as our personal Savior would grow in our knowledge of you. You are our all in all. You are the very best thing in this universe. And we are looking forward to being with you face to face. But until then, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to live in us. Kind of like a down payment of our eternal life. Thank you, Father, for this day to celebrate what Jesus has done by dying and rising and ascending for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.